the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 713 that is 713 of the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga and I hope you are doing fine wherever this lovely podcast may find you I hope you are doing swimmingly how am I all good all things considered I cannot complain actually for once this weekend I'm in a jolly mood because guess why? United won, mate. United won. Stoppage time winner against Brentford. I don't care about your position. I don't care about how lucky the win was. I don't care about how fortunate it was. I don't care about how one-off it was. The fact that we won is still something that's going to fill me with jubilation. So I'm over the moon and I'm happy about that. So I'm going to be talking about that later today. I've got some other things to talk about considering the Joe Budden and Drake back and forth. I'll do a little review of the Drake album, of course. I'll touch on some fashion things. Yeah, he's got some crazy trademarks out there. Doja Cat is trying to piss off more of her fans. There's a new Tyler, the creator update concerning some of the brands that he's working with. There's a Dixon architectural digest little thing I want to get into and many other things also so strap in get yourself a drink make sure you're moisturized and let's get in to the show so to start off with we want to really really recap one of the most entertaining games in a long time which is united v brentford a very strange evening a mixture of emotions going on for most fans i think if you're somebody who's had enough of eric, eric ten Hag, who thinks he needs to be sacked asap even though you probably still believe the glazers are the biggest problem which they are you're frustrated with our style of play you hate the players you're probably in a little bit of a weird situation because you were kind of hoping Brentford would be us <laughs> so it put more pressure on Eric Ten Hag heading into the, the international break so that then he might be able to get sacked which is not going to happen anytime soon I think any fan out there who is secretly hoping Eric Ten Hag gets sacked you're going to be waiting a long long time even though the Glazers have a track record of sacking managers who don't get into the top four because Champions League football and that place and playing Champions League football, not trying to win the trophy, is the thing that they care about the most. So if you're a fan, I understand. But unfortunately, the Glazers still take a very long time to sack managers. It really is right until the end point that they do it. And considering how ill-prepared they've been over the years in terms of hiring managers who's on their shortlist and stuff, I don't have any faith that the owners have any idea who they're going to higher next i think if i'm the owners most likely these glazers these vermins who are sucking the club dry they're obviously doing it in order to kind of try to get a higher you know bid than they've already got there's rumors out there that the qatari group have bid up to like six billion um obviously um sir jim ratcliffe has come out and he wants partial ownership for a significant amount also maybe in a two billion mark 
but they probably are looking for around 8 to 10, I would assume. That's what they're holding out for. So if they're holding out for 8 to 10, you know, they're going to hold out for it. They're not going to do any more extra investment into the club, especially when it comes to hiring managers, if they if they don't need to. So in their ideal world, they'd much rather hold on to Eric Ten Hag, do the sale, get that over the line, get the funds transferred, and then the new owners can do what they want with the manager. But I don't think they're, they're in any rush to try and replace him because it would just add more headache and work. Um, and we already know they're kind of, you know, they're headache and work shy. So they don't want to get involved in that regard. So Eric Ten Hag would have to go on a really crazy odd run um, and the club has got too many good players for that to happen for him to be at any risk of getting sacked so I think if you're a fa- if you're not a fan of his just strap in and enjoy the ride unfortunately for the game itself very strange one I have to be honest um, I thought Brentford were very 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 unlucky to come away with absolutely nothing from the game I think maybe they got a little bit too excited towards the end. I saw a couple of their defenders punching the air, getting really hyped um, because they were clearing balls and it was only like the 80th or 70th minute or something. They were probably looking um, at the clock way too much. They probably should have just focused on trying to defend or scoring another goal. I was thinking, even though we weren't playing well, we didn't really have many clear-cut chances. We didn't really disturb, we didn't really disturb their goalkeeper. We didn't really you know, stretch their defence. I did have a feeling that that one goal wouldn't be enough. I had a feeling that we would maybe, you know, sneakily jam, you know, jammy-wise um, nick a draw. But I didn't think 1-0 for Brentford away from home would be enough to really seal the victory, personally. But they did really keep us occupied. Um, what's his name? The strikers they have up front. Was it um, Wissa and Mbwemo? did a really good job in terms of disturbing our our centre-backs, even though I think Johnny Evans had a really good game for us, um, unfortunately enough. Um, he played really well. He led the line well. I thought Maguire was fairly decent too. Um, he actually had the assist that led to the winning goal. But Wissen and Buemo did really well, but I guess they didn't have the cutting edge up front, which is probably what they're missing with um, Ivan Tony being out suspended for that, you know, gambling infraction that he's got punished for. But overall, I thought they played very well. I think we controlled maybe the first 10 or so minutes. Um, then Brentford started to assert more control. And then their goal came just as they were starting to get a little bit more um, possession and little combinations uh, forward in their kind of play. And I think the goal, if I'm not mistaken, came from Jensen, one of their three central midfielders. They had... Um, Janlet, Nordgaard and Jensen playing in midfield and I'm really impressed by all three. I thought they combined together really, really well and I thought, if anything, they dominated their midfield. They really, really hurt us in midfield, especially with Casemiro playing the way he's playing at the moment. The Casemiro thing, I'm not really too sure what's going on. I don't know if this is just now his level because there's been this common assertion out there that clubs like Real Madrid don't sell players who are at their peak. They very rarely let go of players who are not top 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 draw so most likely Real Madrid noticed that he was already on the wane and they were open to letting him go and of course United came in with an offer that was stupid they offered him obviously stupid wages and he'd be dumb not to come to get one last big payday before he probably heads up um, back to Brazil or something before his retirement so maybe people are saying that his legs are already gone and it's a level that we're going to get I just personally think that United is a bit of a toxic and dark club and it's no coincidence that whenever we buy good players, even if they start pretty decently, by the second season, they usually acquiesce to our current level. Um, we saw it with Bruno Fernandes, we've seen it with many other players before that, where they come in, they start on fire and then they slowly but surely revert back to form and how the club and the players basically play. So <clears throat> I don't think that's the case, but I also think the introduction of Amrabat 
um, has been a godsend. Our transfer window was absolutely shocking. But one thing I was really hoping for was that we'd get cover for Casemiro because we saw how important Casemiro was for us, especially towards the end of last season, um, playing in that kind of defensive midfielder, um, kind of protecting the back four and also offering an option on set pieces and just, you know, having the odd goal contribution here and there important role for our team in the way that we play so the fact that we got Amrabat in for me was a big thing and I was happy that he was being able to play I think what we've seen so far obviously Casemiro wasn't playing at his best but the Amrabat and Casemiro as two deep lining playmakers or midfielders doesn't work I don't think their combination was great I think when Ericsson came on he naturally goes a little bit more forward and wanders around so it basically left Amrabat on his own at the back and I think he played a lot better being the main number six quote-unquote playing just be just in front of the defenders and it obviously helped that he was playing in front of Maguire and Evans who want the most mobile um, maybe Maguire isn't the best at his feet so he was always the outlet always in space and he had a lot of involvement and he kind of I think dictated and controlled the midfield pretty well in the second half so happy to see Emma back there um, overall we didn't play well in the first half they scored a goal um, I think the goal was very concerning for Onana um, I don't think that strike from Jensen was enough to trouble a goalkeeper of his level should be able to save that that should be your that should be your fucking tea and cake that should be simple for you to save and the thing that I'm having an issue with when it comes to Onana is this we bought him specifically for his ball playing ability as a goalkeeper who can play out from the back, who can spray balls over the top, who can always receive the ball under pressure, it kind of allows our defence to kind of push up a bit further up the pitch or just the team overall. And obviously it gives us an option to kind of play out from the back directly. Cool, no problem. But the issue with him is that his ball playing ability so far we've seen maybe isn't as good as people made it seem as. It's decent. It's obviously better than fucking De Gea, but it's not so good that it could excuse the mistakes that he's making as a goalkeeper. These unforced errors, these mistakes in concentration, I don't know what it is, are really concerning because that shot from Jensen, if I remember correctly, I haven't watched the game back, but I watched it live at the time. If I'm not mistaken, it took either one or two deflections coming through and it was quite central. And the way that he dived, I think I described it in the space I was in, he sort of dived like when you're not a goalkeeper and you try going goal and you dive, usually you have a tendency of trying to like dive towards your feet. You don't kind of dive outwards. It's kind of an unnatural position to put yourself in. You have to do that over a number of training to kind of get into the habit of like stretching your body to kind of stop the ball. And he didn't do that. He saw like dive towards his feet like he was an amateur. Um, and if anything, he kind of reminded me of like KSI in one of those charity matches, the way he kind of dived. It was really strange. So that was really odd. And then when he dived and went to touch the ball, he sort of tried to scoop it which is an odd thing also. Instead of trying to just hold his hand out and have a strong wrist, which a lot of keepers do nowadays when the shot is low, you basically hold out a really strong wrist to take and take out the power of the ball and then you kind of gather it with a second touch. You try to kind of scoop it out of the goal and obviously that didn't work. He scooped the top of the ball, the ball trickled in and of course another big mistake. Even though people could say the screening in front of him wasn't the best, maybe should someone should have blocked it. I think Evans or somebody turned their back to the ball, whatever. I just don't think that shot should be enough to trouble a keeper of his level. Level, which is really concerning because it's not only that he's making cons you know mistakes in big high pressure games he's also making mistakes in games that we should be winning like Brentford at home do you know what I mean that's the real that's the real uh, worry for me and it's looking like most likely we made a mistake and the issue is not that we made a mistake as clubs do in terms of signing Onana I think we waited so long to replace David De Gea we left it so to the last minute when we got another goalkeeper in, we didn't have an option of like basically phasing him in 
of having an opportunity to phase out the gear and having an opportunity to play or not at the same time or maybe flipping between the two and then when the summer comes around you let go of the gear like normal teams do instead we had to kind of do it all really bluntly right at the end figure it out on the go and now I think the management or the team should realize that you know, Onana maybe isn't at the level that we need, top, top level, to kind of take us where we need to take to. But whatever. Um, I think after that, we defended pretty decently. Second half was pretty okay. I thought the substitution of Casemiro for Ayerson was an interesting one, even though I personally would have taken off Bruno because I feel like he didn't really do anything um, of any particularities in the game. He was very quiet, very ineffective. Um, Rashford probably played pretty decently. He might be a bit unlucky to get subbed up, but I thought towards the end of the, you know, towards the 60th minute mark when he did, I think when he did get subbed, he was starting to look like he was tired and running out of ideas. And as per usual, I think the issue I have with myself when it comes to the substitutions with this team is just that I personally think having played a little bit of Sunday football, a little bit of Saturday football, I just know what managers what what happens to a dressing room when managers refuse to like rotate players because they are quote quote the best ones it's not good for the morale of the team it really isn't you need to have this you know there needs to be a way of there needs to, there needs to be like a, a culture in the dressing room or in the team where everybody's place is up for grabs nobody's place is guaranteed of course unless you're the top top level player like a Messi or Ronaldo and stuff fair enough but for the most part everyone's place should be up for grabs and then you kind of you know it, it, what it leads to is then a very competitive team who's always trying to play for positions on the training days and then when it comes to the matches it leads to really high performing teams because you know if you don't play well someone else might come and replace you take the shine away from you and then start the next game and then you won't get a sniff again but for some reason at United, we have this culture, especially some of our fans online, whenever you suggest, oh, Bruno should get subbed, um, Bruno should get dropped, Marshall, Marshall should get dropped, the immediate reply is, oh, but for who? As if to say, the options on the bench aren't an option. It's like, why do you have them on the bench then? Why do you have players on the bench if they're not options? Just to like, just, just to make sure that the, the, the game goes ahead. I don't think that's the case. Even if the players on the bench isn't technically as good as the ones on the pitch, they should be allowed to play so that it could remind the players who are on the pitch not to take their place for granted. And I think for me personally, having played a bit of the, football, played a bit of the game, um, I just feel like Rashford and Bruno take their places for granted. They know they're always going to play. And I don't think that helps for the squad harmony. And that also might be in part why, you know, Eric Ten Hag and Jaden Sancho are having this fucking standoff. Um, that's happening but anyway that is something for another time the game itself attack wise I thought we were pretty blunt nothing it kind of ineffective I thought the game changed for the better when um, Anthony and Garnacho come on even though Gar Anthony wasn't great I thought because they're both at least have the intention of going forward it kind of changes the way our team moves and attacks and how the opposing team sort of deals with us I thought as soon as Garnacho and Anthony came on unfortunately for Brentford they dropped about 10 5 to 10 yards deep it invited us it kind of gave us more space to run into it put more pressure on them but then the final substitution of McTominay was the one that really surprised me because I was like spitting at the fucking I was like going crazy at the screen when I was watching the stream like oh my god why did you bring McTominay on to try to win the game and McTominay does what good players should do and shuts me the fuck up by scoring two goals in extra time of normal play bro two fucking goals and the winner was absolutely madness to see the scenes 
and he came on like a man on fire. He came on with like a man possessed. And I think he said in the first match interview that he was watching the fucking David Beckham documentary on Netflix and that kind of inspired him and reminded him of how great a club United was, which is, right? Because if people forget, we were actually an amazing club at one time. Now we've been flipping, you know, dragged into the doldrums and we're fucking pathetic as a football club, mainly because of the Glazers and inept management and shitty transfer policy and really entitled, egotistical, fucking like crazy deluded fucking players but we were once a very great team so he was reminded of that legacy when he watched the Dave Beckham documentary and he came on with a point to prove like this is Man United right I mean in like kind of this is Sparta mode and first to me I think that first goal that first goal was really good because you know I was watching on stream I kind of turned my head back quickly as it was about to go in and I honestly thought that was Hoyland I didn't know that was McTominay because the way he sp the way he kind of spun controlled the ball on his on his leg on his knee sorry you know one without even I don't think he even dropped I don't think he even bounced one touch and bang volley into the bottom corner that was a superb finish and then the second goal with the header um just over the keeper's hand was really good as well for the winner like he was on fire bro he scored two goals within like what two or three minutes and shit and obviously helped us to win the game so I was over the moon jubilant you know fucking jub very very jubilant I think some fans weren't that happy because they were hoping we would lose so Ericsson could get fired I just don't think the club is ever going to fire him so quickly into the season it's not going to happen again I just think with the looming sale above their heads it doesn't really make much sense for them to try to go out there and find a new manager stuff it's not going to happen so we'll sack him we'll have fucking Steve McLaren be the coach for a time it'll just be super annoying I'd rather just let the club bleed as it is we're not going to win anything anyway this season it is a bit of a fucking gimme um you know we're not playing for anything in my personal opinion apart from maybe some domestic trophies so just let him kind of do what he does and then when the new ownership comes in if the team is still not performing he'll probably get fired anyway do you know what I mean it's no rush um so it's kind of on him to perform well and it's on the players to also perform well because when this new ownership comes in you would assume they'll want to start from a somewhat clean slate. You would assume so. But again, who knows when it comes to these managements and these teams and shit. But overall, very enjoyable game. Very happy with the win. Um, the performance, again, wasn't the greatest. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of question marks around the team and the, our formation. I think one of the big question marks for me is Ericton Hogg's decision-making ability. Because a lot of fans online, myself included, fucking idiots that know nothing about the game who just kind of talk about stuff online and stuff we were saying from the onset why is Amrabat having to play left back I understand we don't have any current left backs at the moment that can play in that position but surely if you spent all that time and effort and money to get Amrabat in lastminute.com you know how important he is to play in midfield why wouldn't you just play another center back at left back it's a makeshift stopgap option it's not ideal but just playing an actual defender at that position should be a better option than playing a world-class, I think, defensive midfielder in that position. It makes no sense. And finally, Ericsson Haag did it, tried it, played Lindelof at left-back, which was helpful because Lindelof is also a left-foot centre-back. That kind of helps, but it doesn't really matter. I guess you could still play them as a free and have Dallow be out, you know, kind of advancing as a really attacking full-back on, on a wide here, whatever it may be. And then, of course, of course, he can tuck in and make a little screen with the midfielders and make it like a free-free-two or free-free-one, sorry. But 
as soon as we played with Amrabat in midfield and had Lindelof at left back, it gave the overall team a lot more balance because I've said before, like people underestimate how difficult it is to play left back. Left back is a really, really hard position to get because the balls are coming across here. They're coming from behind. They're coming over the top, um, especially if you're in your natural positions. You've got a lot of blind spots that you have. There's a lot to defend, a lot to kind of look after when it comes to defensive dis discipline um, and positional awareness playing at left back. So having a midfielder there is just... A doesn't make any sense I'd much rather have a centre back play there just to fill in the gaps and I think that balance worked a lot better personally and of course with these three you have you know Lindelof Evans and Amrabat you also have three pretty decent ball playing players in the first place so why not have all these three next to each other and then they can allow them to kind of spring the ball forward to Mount and Rashford and whatnot so um, again um, good decision finally that he made um, I thought the Ericsson substitution at halftime was also a welcome change because he does wait too long to do it. But I thought the changes and how animated Eric Ten Hag was on the bench, like legitimately, I've never seen Eric Ten Hag that animated on the sidelines any before. I think that was proof enough for me that he was really nervous. I think this game was win it by any means necessary. We won. I'm happy about it. But definitely it was squeaky bum time for fucking Eric Ten Hag. He was feeling the fucking pressure. So I'm glad that he got the pressure off him. Hopefully now he's realized the error of his ways. Hopefully now we have a team and a selection process that isn't just based on GA and what you did for me lately because I feel like Bruno Fernandes and Rashford don't deserve to play based on current form. But again, people will tell me, who, 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 play whoever's on the bench. It doesn't fucking matter, but he won't because he wants to do that. And if effectively, if he keeps doing that and keeps putting his faith in, in fucking Marcos Rashford and Bruno Fernandes, most likely those two players will get him sacked. That's the issue. I know they saved, him, they saved us and they saved his job last season. But the way they're playing now, if they continue playing the way they are and if we continue being inconsistent as we are, they will most likely lead to him getting fired. And I just hope that doesn't happen because if it happens, it'll stir all the attention away from the owners who are the real cancerous problem in this club. That's what we need to get out ASAP. That's what you'd want. But again, what do I know? Then the other interesting thing about this is the fucking Premier League, the, sorry, the Premier League table. I just realized we're only six points behind City, who just lost against Arsenal today. I watched the game, actually. Very entertaining match. Arsenal probably deserved the victory on the balance of play, I think, slightly towards the end there. Very good goal. Kind of route one-ish. I think it was Partey from the back. Long ball out to Tomiyasu. He heads it down. Havertz controls it. Lays it back to uh, Martinelli, who hits it, and it hits Ake and deflects into the goal. So pretty basic one, you know, long ball type of goal, but really well, what really well worked. And they end up obviously beating Man City for the first time in a very, very long time. And Man City are third now. Arsenal second, Tottenham first. Um, you've got Tottenham and Arsenal both on 20 and Man City on 18. But United are in 10th. And we've only got 12 points, even though it's one of our worst starts ever. We're on 12 points, only six points behind City. And... We are facing Sheffield United away from home next. And then we've got the Manchester Derby the following weekend after that, after the Champions League game as well. So we have an opportunity if we need, if possible, to actually close the gap between some of the top teams, which is weird considering how horribly we've started. And the fact that we've already lost um, so many games already, that we are in a position where we can get kind of close to the top teams. The Premier League is a weird place. But again, that obviously assumes that they also keep losing, which isn't going to happen most likely. Um, all these teams have blips. They have a lot of players out and shit. But it's crazy to think that United are only 10th for 12 points and City are only third with 18 points, even though we've had one of our worst seasons on paper. We're not that far away from clubs that, you know, 
clubs like Man City are going forward. So maybe there's a chance for us. Maybe there's a chance for us. Moving on from that one, I wanted to give some sad news, unfortunately. This is courtesy of the legend that is Sufjan Stevens, who's had a very hard time lately. I mentioned it before on one of my pods that he mentioned on his Instagram that he was suffering from some autoimmune disease um, that he was trying to um, get rid of or to help aid. And he was in the hospital for a while trying to finish his album and just trying to, you know, get the use back of his legs or something like really horrid, horrid stuff. And it seems like, you know, the tragedy just keeps on happening to this guy. Um, even though you know he's one of the greatest artists that we have out here and he keeps putting out amazing albums in the midst of all this personal tragedy he released this statement too on Instagram that really kind of broke my heart when I read it um, courtesy of Sufjan Stevens he says Javelin is out today thank you for listening I love you this album is dedicated to the light of my life my beloved partner and best friend Evan Richards Richardson sorry who passed away in April he was an absolute gem of a person, full of life, love, laughter, curiosity, integrity, and joy. He was one of those rare and beautiful souls you find only once in a lifetime. Precious, Im um, impeccable, and absolutely exceptional in every way. I know relationships can be very difficult, but it's always worth it to put the hard work and care for the ones that you love, especially the beautiful ones um who are few and far between if you happen to find this kind of love hold it close hold it tight savor it tend it and give everything you've got especially in times of trouble be kind be strong be patient be forgiving be ver be vigorous be wise be yourself like every day as if it's your last um with fullness of grace and reverence of love and gratitude and joy this is the day the lord has made let us rejoice and believe god in it thank you i love you xoso um in this post which is very touching Sufjan not only comes out because i had no idea he was gay personally um and i think a lot of people online are saying they did but i'm also not the best judge because my gaydar is completely off like only recently i discovered or found out that you know tyrone dylan um, one of the people that works behind the scenes there at Rick Owens, him and Rick Owens aren't just like collaborators and design friends and shit and colleagues. Do you know what I mean? They actually have a little bit more adult fun and only find out recently. So maybe I'm not the best person to judge, but it's really heartbreaking to see that Suf Chen only came out recently and um, based on this post, but then he's also coming out, dedicating the album to his love of his life that unfortunately passed away. Um, really, really tragic to see. And again, if you know anything, you know, about Suf Chen's life and whatever he puts into his music and stuff, you'll know he's always had a lot of personal tragedy going on, you know, with his parents dying and shit or his mum dying. Um, obviously this now with, um, you know, that's going on with his autoimmune disease or syndrome, sorry, that he has going on. And then of course, what's happening now with his partner is absolutely tragic but yeah man um love and light and healing and whatever else needed for sufjan um keep your head up mate prayers and thoughts with you and again r.i.p to evans richardson the partner of sufjan stevens who unfortunately passed away and his new album javelin which is out today is dedicated to him so big up him big up big up him Moving on, we need to quickly talk about this. Another tragic news, unfortunately, regarding Ilana uh, Ilian. Yes, I think it's Ilian Andam. Um, trial date set for the teenager accused of murdering a 15-year-old schoolgirl in Croydon. I'm sure most of you are aware of this tragic story that was all over social media, especially here in the UK, about this young girl who was 15 um, on the bus that was unfortunately stabbed and died of her injuries. I think when the story originally broke on social, for some reason there was this odd 
um, narrative going around that the guy had asked her for a number and she said no and then he stabbed her in the neck and then it just turned into like oh let's just bash men in general all these guys online that are talking about men issues and stuff are the ones that are toxifying people's brains it turned into an Andrew Tate thing it was really strange how it spiraled and I couldn't understand what was going on and then when the actual real news of what actually happened was spread it's actually more tragic than than even that story if that if that is capable if you thought the oh this guy tried to get her number she said no and he stabbed her story was horrible this is even worse allegedly the story goes the um, the person um what you call it the victim was on the bus with their friend and their ex-boyfriend who's been i guess stalking her and not leaving her alone and stuff who got on the bus also and was trying to you know get to talk to her and stuff that wasn't happening the ex-boyfriend and her friend get and her friend get into an argument which leads to the ex-boyfriend threatening to stab the friend and then the girlfriend jumps in front of the her friend to protect her and the ex-boyfriend ends up stabbing her so imagine how much more tragic that is in the first story so just imagine how again that's what i've heard recently i could be wrong but that's the last story that i've heard and if that is right no just fucking prayers and healing to that young girl like imagine how how she must feel right now you know her friend came you know you're protecting your friend or backing up your friend then your friend tries to protect you and they lose their life like horrendous man i can't imagine what they're going through um let's discuss your sky news it says teenager accused of murder 15 year old um Eli Ilian andam um, has repeatedly by repeatedly stabbing her faces it was repeated oh my god i thought it was once oh my god the 70 year old boy who could could not be identified because of his age, allegedly killed Ilian as she made her way to her independent girls' school in Croydon. Um, Ilian, who was studying for GCSEs at the Old Palace of John Wright School, had met up with two female friends before the alleged attack. First aid was administered, but she died at the scene near the Whitgift Shopping Centre in Wellesley Road. A post-mortem examination later identified multiple stab wounds. Not even one, multiple. Jesus Christ, 15 years old. The teenager defendant appeared in the Old Bailey on Tuesday wearing all black sweater and grey jogging bottoms and sitting between officers in the dock. Members of Elian's family were sitting in the well um, of the court during the hearing, which lasted 30 minutes. Judge Mark Lutzcraft set a plea hearing for 19th of December and a provisional trial date for 29th of April. Following her death, Elian's family released a statement paying to a tribute of an intelligent and thoughtful girl. We as a family are struggling to comprehend this painful tragedy that has happened to our beautiful daughter. Our hearts are broken. Ilian was a beautiful person inside and out and loved Jesus. She was intelligent, thoughtful and kind. It was our request that you keep cherished daughter Ilian in your thoughts and our prayers. Jesus Christos. And in the recent update, again, another one says, um, oh, this is the visual that took place where Stormzy joined in, which was really good of him because I think he's from there as well, is it, Croydon? It says, Ilian and um, Stormzy joins mourners in the candlelight vigil for the 15-year-old stabbed. Um, and there's a video here we can also play to kind of show you what the visual actually looks like and sounded like. Very beautiful visual, to be honest, but it's just tragic that it had to be done under such circumstances. But a very, very fitting tribute. Let's see if this plays and we can hear what the vigil actually sounded like here. Stormzy joined thousands of mourners gathered in Croydon to honour the stabbing victim, Ilian and um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So many people. The 15-year-old died after being attacked on her way to school. Everyone around clapping, holding their phones up, I think, and candles. Jesus Christ. I think they're releasing balloons or something. I'm not really sure. They're singing songs maybe here later on. 
loads of flower tributes on the side of the road. Jesus Christ, bro. Absolutely crazy. R.I.P. Elaine. Ilian. Um, Stormzy joined loads of people. The grime artists were seen among crowds at a candlelight visual um, Wednesday evening outside the Whitgift shopping centre. Ilian died after being attacked on the way from school. You see a picture there of Stormzy holding up his phone and a few other people with candles. The grieving family members had led attendees in prayer before they joined in the choir to sing Amazing Grace. Many people wore white to the gathering where Ilian's mother, Dorcas Andam, described her as an amazing, beautiful girl. Miss Andam said her smart, charismatic daughter loved living life to the fullest and had ambitions on becoming a lawyer. Jesus Christ. She brought joy to so many, including her friendship groups. She loved and touched lives around her. Ilian, just a normal teenager, her mother said, I can't believe we won't be seeing her anymore. I can't believe she won't be here to complain about her teenage activities anymore. We should be planning her prom after year 11. <sighs> Damn it, bro. At that 50, I had so much to live for. It was a sad day for the whole family. Now we're planning her funeral. God almighty, bro. Puts it into real perspective, in it? We should be planning her prom, but now we're planning her funeral. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? God almighty. Labour Deep uh, MP Dawn Butler... Um, shared footage of the vigil and a picture alongside Stormzy singer and activist Jermaine Jackman I think that's them there um, and fellow Londoner Labour MP Sarah Jones and Bell Ribio Addy it's, it's tragic that they have to do this during that time in it right these photo opportunities and stuff but I guess you know so people like Stormzy big celebrity as well they will highlight and bring more attention to this sort of stuff so you'd hope that even though you know knife crimes happens a lot in London you'd hope this case because it's so tragic and concerns such an innocent girl that it would maybe lead to change unlikely but maybe in a post on x um this time must change this time this is the time much change must come it says Ilya met with two friends before traveling to a shopping center on the morning she was attacked it's alleged that she was stabbed repeatedly by a mark's knifeman who later fled the scene so the story of her protecting her friend may not be true maybe it was just an attack again it's, it gets more tragic the more details you hear so the story that I heard is that she was trying to protect her friend from her ex-boyfriend so maybe she didn't even know who the attacker was because he was covered but he set out to kill her because why? Because she was the ex? Jesus. Witness said the bus driver and a passenger by passenger by tried to vain to save Elian's life after the attack at 8.30 in the morning. Police responded to the incident in Wellesley Road within two minutes, but a teenager was pronounced dead at the scene. A 70-year-old boy was arrested. He has been charged with murder and is due to face trial on the 29th of April. Reds has previously said that her hearts are broken. She was only 15. I guess in these type of occasions, it doesn't really matter what led to the stabbing, but I would like to know in some respect because this feels so wild. Like, it feels so fucking crazy to go after somebody at that age, such an innocent, sweet-looking girl just before school. It just doesn't make any sense, really. Um, but I'm sure in the end we will all probably get more details to it again it's not going to bring any comfort to the family because they've lost somebody so sweet and dear to them but you only think you would hope because she looks so innocent and sweet that this will lead to some sort of change again very unlikely because our mps our mayor the government don't seem to really give a fuck when it comes to um stabbings especially if they unfortunately involve black and brown people but you'd hope that this will maybe um tug at the heartstrings of people and they will legitimately start maybe making some changes because this is just too much man it's becoming coming coming really 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 too much but again force and prayers to elian and them really and truly um force and prayers out to her and her family can't 
imagine what they're flipping going through what a tragedy and no girl really should be passing away at that age really and that line about we should you know we're preparing a prom and stuff and and now preparing a funeral really really touched me bro so yeah r.i.p to ilian r.i.p to ilian moving on from that i wanted to quickly touch upon balenciaga spring 2024 ready to wear which i was really impressed by personally um there's a lot of theories out there that allegedly this collection was Demner's kind of farewell to Balenciaga that maybe he might be leaving it sometime soon which I don't really think so because he's made you know he's made flipping um he's made carrying a lot of money and I don't really see them essentially trying to kick him out and get somebody else in you especially since they weathered the storm of all the pedophilia shit that was going on with the fucking bdsm bears and shit they weathered that storm they came back um pretty well to be fair demna kind of learned his lesson he's not really out here saying flagrant shit um which i predicted he would anyway he would do that um he definitely learned his lesson i think that whole um edgelord provocateur thing stick was getting old very quickly even towards the end of vetima the thing that he was doing where he was kind of you know always poking fun of the fashion industry it's like look you're part of it also you can't you know be a part of it you know work inside this constraint and then also complain and dig you know and kind of take the piss out of it at all times if you love it or you don't um that in between thing was a little bit annoying so i'm glad he kind of dropped the edge lord thing and now he's just getting back to making clothes which he's always been great at which is why i've always flipped me like vetamon because there was no real theme or rhyme or reason behind what they did it just put out fucking clothes and i think goron probably did it's probably doing the same thing with it but probably going a bit too far by just putting out loads of shit but still i think them has really done a lot of great things for Balenciaga, and i don't feel like there's a really obvious candidate out there at the moment to replace him do you know what i mean that's the issue unless um caring want to do the whole thing that everyone else is doing where they're promoting really unheard of behind the scenes designers who the people in the know know about but the public don't maybe but i don't think there's a real standout person to take the job and there really isn't even a standout crossover person in streetwear to take the job personally um maybe apart from if you want to try your chance at getting someone like a tyler the to do it right because i saw his recent collection for lacoste um his lafleur golf lafleur collection with lacoste collaboration was fucking amazing he could be another bit of a wild card but there's not really a, a standout person in streetwear who you would give a fashion house job to there's not a lot of standout people in fashion that you give the job to so i just think with Demna doing what he's doing and chugging along slowly without any controversy why would you get rid of him so i'm not really too i don't sure i buy that but the show was interesting to say the least um because it featured um Demna's mum here i think that might be the first time i've seen her in press or anything so she was on there and a lot of friends and family were featured on a runway um it was also the first introduction that we've seen to a plus size model on a Demna um runway if i'm not mistaken um it kind of feels like that moment when Hedy Samain started to include black people in his runway for a while Hedy Samain hated putting black kids on his runway or black models anyway for some reason um he liked that indie grunge look of just all whites and shit looking like they're always on heroin but he managed to find some black dudes also who don't mind the brown stuff who look like they don't mind the brown stuff walking around because you know if you know anything about your history especially of music you know um that brown stuff wasn't just a white thing you know many people were on that shit so i always find it interesting that heady it took him a long time to get black models on a runaway when really and truly that scene that culture everything was really not based on race or color really it was just kind of if anything more of a socioeconomic thing but hey what do i know the question itself i thought was really nice great proportions and places um i like most of the shapes even kathy horn was there the original five-star general of a hater there one of the biggest and most legendary fashion critics 
on the world um one of the things that i really loved was these upside down sunglasses that they had featured here um kind of an upside down design i really liked how they looked they kind of gave it a little bit of a visor feel they also kind of made it look similar to that guy in um what's his name the guy from star is it star trek the black dude i forgot what his name is he's got that kind of visor thing around the face that kind of reminded me of that um you've got um diane pernet here right the influential again fashion commentator the one that talks like this right she's fucking amazing also so big up her she's in the fucking runway of course you've got your plus size model there and loads of other industry people here who i don't really recognize to be honest but i loved it one of the things i also loved apart from the sneakers was this wallet clubs thing that they got it's like a i guess it's like a passport holder had a fake ticket on there too but it kind of looked like it which i'm a big fan of i like some of the flurry the furry sandal shoe things there's a few designers i saw a marcus armida doing it and i forgot who else but i've seen it featured in a runaway quite often this season people making shoes and bags with like frilly bits on it so bits of fur sticking out friendly bit sticking out of it it's definitely become like a little bit of a trend you've seen on a lot of runways at the same time so i love that whole big group think i'm um, talking about big group think again look at the proportions on these massive shoulders on some of these looks between 19 and 21 and again with 22 to 24 very amazing again i really like these heels um with kind of look like a sandal but they've got a heel on them which is quite cool right you've taken the heel design you've taken a sandal design with the big strap at the front instead of a big plastic strap it's full of fur or whatever maybe and then instead of just being a sandal they've also got a, a high heel version so you kind of take a very basic um you know run of the mill sandal and you kind of lux it up by adding a heel you kind of make it a little bit more chic i love that i love the bags with all the accoutrements and wallets and keys and locks and padlocks all over it that kind of reminds me a little bit of that bridge is it in paris where they've got all the padlocks all over it so it's kind of got that feel or it kind of reminds me of those really bougie and rich because usually a lot of very very wealthy people who carry hermes bags and whatever they may be they usually bang them up they don't you know care for them in pristine condition like a lot of people that have new money do and sometimes you'll see them tying hermes scarves around them little padlocks and stuff little trinkets and shit they really abuse and they love and abuse it and the more weathered and fucked up it looks the better and i think that's probably maybe the kind of inspiration that them was going for with this bag that um the model's wearing on look number 23 i really like the look of that again great proportions you've got that clasp again in the hand another great bag i like the layering on the skirt here on look number 25 this um proportions here on look number 26 with the model's face really angular with the cheekbones and the shoulders and shit looks amazing there's a, some there's a, a pair of high heel boot shoes i want to get a better look at them but they kind of look like chelsea boots with a really pointy toe men's as well i really like look at them i definitely wear those the double breasted suit jackets um look really amazing also i want to try and, and you got the jeans here with the lace tie um, something i've been doing for a while and skaters have been doing forever and ever i love the look of that also it looks really great you've got the one half um combat this is a really good i think this is probably going to get copied by sheen or one of those companies very soon it's, it's a pair of pants one half of them is camo combats and the other half is just a regular jean i'm sure there's some company that's going to do flip that and do that a lot i really like this um shrunken hoodie design that they have um it feels like a shrunken but it isn't it probably is there's probably more to it to design um especially trying to get it at this particular size but it looks really fitted it kind of reminds me of what it looks like to wear like a vest 
tucked into your jeans, right? That kind of athletic kind of like um, Jean-Claude Van Damme looking fucking kickboxer. I love that with obviously the LGBTQ flag there. Um, that's the guy I think that's Kylie Jenner and Kendall's friend and he looks really good here as well. Number, looks number 34. This all leather look is so good. You've got this massive long leather trench coat with a hood, leather pants with the drawstrings, a leather bag, a hoodie tucked into it with the glasses and the heels. Like that's a bad boy look i'm not gonna lie i love also this look here on look number 37 i love the construction actually of this skirt the construction of this skirt is really cool it basically looks like a pair of trousers they all look like trousers that have been splayed open and then pieced together to make this really long skirt design with this big bag you've got mike the ruler here i think on look number 38 he's a real big fan of vetimore and what they do anyway i'm not sure if he works with them behind the scenes and stuff but he wears a lot of their shit and he's obviously wearing a great look there as well so pick up him um i recognize him from afar again some good looks here i love this um hotel bathrobe another great wrinkled trench looking thing i love that they got these bags these reusable plastic bags that you see in in, in paris a lot i i would love to actually go to a lot of european countries to the local supermarkets and see what they use as bags because i remember every place is different like if you go to berlin um i don't know if it's the same for all of germany but when people go to their supermarkets they usually take with them a tote bag no one usually buys plastic bags everyone kind of always takes a little tote bag with them or they carry the things back home in the cardboard that you use to kind of display and take out the shit in the shop um when you go to paris you see a lot of people carrying these reusable sort of like you know plasticky toty bag things that you buy in the shop right so they'll carry those a lot um I, but i guess every country has their own thing in the, for the longest time in the uk people would carry a plastic bag because they're always free but now that you have to pay for them it's kind of half and half some shops make you pay for them by force some shops don't really enforce a rule so sometimes people carry the plastic bag sometimes people just you know take their own tote bag with them but i'd love to go to every european country to see what the vibe is there again loads of nice bathrobes i'm not really too sure about having three different bathrobe looks on the runway it's a bit excessive that's five in it you've got black blue red and white it's a bit excessive when they're all the same essentially um but hey what do i know and again you got the same thing with the track yeah that's a bit much bro three tracksuit looks in four um one black one gray um one gray i guess whatever the color is it's slate whatever you call that is um again i like the proportions of it i think there is something very well done about the hoodie i think so again i'm not really too sure about pattern cutting um i've never really sewn anything detailed so i don't really too know too tough but i just know from how it sits and the proportions and stuff and the cut that there's probably a lot of work and a lot of man hours that goes into constructing this hoodie i'm pretty sure of it but i love the zip-up hoodie with the glasses and the pants and stuff that's like a perfect airport look to be fair traveling look and all that malarkey i would actually love it in my life if i was able to be that person because i see them a lot when i go abroad and shit on vacation you go to the airport you pull up and you see a guy or a girl wearing that um that amazing north face bag i think i've always wanted one of those actually to travel it's like a north face drum bag it's like a duffel bag but you can also put it on your back as a backpack it's kind of it's, you know, it's a decent enough size and you'll see a guy or a girl just carrying that and that's it and you're like wow bro how can you go away with just one bag like that like i have to check in luggage i'm taking four pairs of shoes i've got an outfit for every day i sometimes take my running stuff with me and then i don't run like do you know what i mean like absolutely incredible shit that i do and people just get able to take a duffel bag with them on holiday on vacation over the weekend and come back all oh, blessed um or i've seen one time i went and i saw a guy legitimately taking a tote bag with him he took a tote bag and he had some stuff stuffed in it and that was it i was like oh my god amazing um the new runners are really cool also i like the runners um i love the fact that he always makes these really 
excessive um no sorry there's always gargantuan crazy looking shoes that kind of look like sneakers but also look you know too bulbous to be just regular sneakers i love that because essentially these are sort of like meant for walking all day long essentially right you're meant you're kind of he's kind of creating designer shoes that are meant for like walking around and having on your feet all the time which essentially adds as a walking living billboard also so it's a great little thing there and usually the quality is pretty decent even the ones that are made in china i've had two like i've had triple s's that are made in italy when they first came out because i got the one of the first ones when they first came out i was really happy about that and i've also had the china made ones and they're really decent quality to be fair i'm not gonna lie um the camo looks are really great also um i'd probably go for this sort of like whiter camo probably be the one for me they've got some great biker jackets with the o symbol it looks like a b but it also looks like an opium label i love the padded shoulders on all these jackets and shit these look really sick um again great motorcycle jackets again the half and half combat pants here um courtesy of look number 56 look awesome you've got the leather trench some dresses are coming this way a great track jacket looks awesome again you've got a great hoodie jacket here i love that logo um, a nice dress here on look number 64 with all the, the flowers on it. I love the anti ad block or stop sign here hoodie on look number 69 with the pointy shoes. Um, look number 71 is really awesome as well as a 72 and also 75, 73. I love the look of with the hoodies and all the little designs on this as well. Kind of remind me of those kind of prison tattoos Russian people getting shit nice dress again good dresses good gowns and again you know a nice wedding or i guess morning whatever you'd call it right towards the end here then you get to some details which kind of give the details of the things that i want to see here the glasses are sick when you look at them up close the upside down glasses things because they basically look like visors and they don't go around your ears they sort of wrap around your head so i'd have to kind of get my hair braided probably to get wear those they look really cool you have the bag here with all the trinkets and shit on it you got a front view of the glasses here it looks really awesome actually did them um, this girl what's her name paloma elsa right the the sister of the skateboarder did she walk Balenciaga before she might be the first plus size model then isn't it? if she was there i'm not really sure um again i love the boots the, the pointy toe and a really really tiny heel there the the clasp bag hand passport holder thing is really cool detailed five i wonder if that's actually a passport holder or if it's like a passport holder that's made to look like a passport it's not, if it's a passport holder that's actually a wallet i wonder what it is i would love to see what that looks like whatever this tote bag design is i love it um well, i don't know what it's called deep look number eight but i would really like that i'm not gonna lie um i want to join the gang of guys who are wearing like women's handbags as, as satchels and shit i think they look really cool i'm not really too fond of these legging heel things to be totally honest the recruitments on look number seven look really awesome again those sunglass visor things these are gonna be really popular i think this sort of like bat wing type of thing it's gonna be really really popular um again i love the sneakers personally i think they are up there with the triple s's in terms of a look i'm not too mad at these maybe you want them to be a little bit more thicker but i'm not too crazy i'm not too, i'm not mad at them i would definitely like those um you've got a class design here on the outside of the bag which is kind of giving hermes you've got a shoe that you can hold in your hand as a bag i'm assuming as a some sort of clutch it looks really cool oh look at the design of those heels look how they make your foot go so far forward i wonder if that's just like a heel if that's like an extra bit or if that actually makes your foot do that i doubt it i'm sure that's just like an extra bit at the back here um the belt ring is an interesting little touch here on the finger 
again you got the class i guess i guess the sh- is that the shoe they're holding in their hand as a class or is it just a regular shoe i'm not too sure i would love to see what that i want, I want to see some um looks on the storeroom as well okay cool you got a bit of a translucent feel there with the glasses to see people's eyes i love the com the cargoes with the high heels with the fur high heels you've got the long sleeve with the fake tattoos thing um, it's a shame they don't make this in like brown skin so that you could have i could have it too they've only got this white but i guess it's problematic if you start doing brown skin long sleeve fake tattoo things so i get it why they're not doing it oh they've got oh look at this this is pretty cool isn't it i didn't see that it's like um it's a luggage it's an airport luggage bag but it's been made in a material that is just a regular handbag so it crumps up like a regular handbag but it looks like a roller luggage thing that's really cool I'm not gonna lie, that looks really amazing. I I would want that. That looks really really cool. Um, great glasses again. I love the look of those. You got the pack. Oh look, you got ballet flunt. You got ballet um, pumps, but made in heels. These look really cool. Also, that's not a great. That's not a shabby look. You got a model here wearing a do rag on a runway. Very hip and very uh, on brand there from Balenciaga. Well done for them. You got the sneakers which would definitely be a hit, I think. They probably look the best they've done in a while because I didn't really like those um, those ones that they brought out recently that look like a tire. I kind of prefer these. These look way, way harder. So do the glasses. On, on detail, look number 46 to 48. Kind of conventional glasses from Balenciaga here. A bit of a metallic-y look to them in the blue, the pink, and the orange or reddish type of colorway. Um, again, free, you know, they've got the same glasses shape done for four, five times here on the detail. Look a bit strange, but hey, what can you do? Oh, I love the color on her hair there, the pink as well. Sitting off, good dye job there, good hair and makeup, nice glasses. The pointy shoes with the combat is a nice touch. The earrings are really good. Yeah, I'm not mad at this, man. I'm not mad at this at all. You got some good designs here. Okay, you got, so I guess what I said was true that passport holder thing is not real. It's made to look like a passport holder that's got um, flight ticket things on it, but it's actually just a regular wallet. That looks really cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm not really too mad at that in the slightest. That looks really, really impressive. That's a kind of a very clever design. So you've got a passport and inside it, you've got all these boarding passes that you know are fake, of course, but it's also made to look real, but it's actually just a regular wallet. Now, if you actually look on this side at the top here, you'll see it's just a regular wallet on the inside that's made to look like a passport holder with boarding passes on it that says Paris to Geneva and Geneva I guess is where Balenciaga is based or where Demna is based one or the either or maybe both but yeah big up Balenciaga for um, spring 2024 to be honest um, really enjoyed that collection I'm not gonna lie um, loved everything about it let me quickly go back and see if there's anything else I missed here I'm gonna have to load reload everything again actually let's read quickly the review and see what he said here the review courtesy of Vogue magazine which is written by a person called Sarah Moa it says I have to be me I can't express my creativity my creativity sorry I can't castrate my vision I just can't do those things it's not me so this collection is a celebration of everything that I love about fashion Demler was coming off a year during which he had felt very alone. In reaction, his spring 2024 show was a gathering of the people who have meant the most to me in my personal life. From his mother who opened the show to his husband, Lloyd Gomez, who also is known as Boyfriend, who wore the final wedding dress and mixed um, and scored the soundtrack. Oh shit, Boyfriend is at the end. Fucking hell, he looks amazing. Um, they were, um, I love my, I wear my sunglasses at night. His remix of that song is so good. Um, there were a lot of 
of um, hot topics to unpack. When Debner talks of what he loves about fashion, he defines it in opposition to luxury. Some of his people were carrying faux passports with boarding cards to Geneva, where he lives, slotted into them. They were Balenciaga wallets. In fact, because it's more about identity to me, I questioned a lot about that, how fashion created. For me, I have to be honest. I don't care much about luxury. I don't want to give people propositions to look like they're rich or successful because luxury is top down. And what is often seen as quite provocative to me is I do bottom up. Ah, okay. Which also explains why I have such an affinity with him because I think we're the same. I also not the biggest fan of luxury and shit. I'm more, you know, luxury to me is being able to travel to places, eat at nice restaurants, you know, look after your friends, have a good time and shit, whatever, maybe pay your bills ahead of time, all that stuff, you know what I mean? Have yourself on auto pay. That to me is a form of, um, you know, of luxury as opposed to just going around wearing Cartier love bracelets and shit, personally. Um, Demner's last ready to wear show was his comeback from the controversy that embroiled Balenciaga in 2022. He says, I look back at it and I really hated it. He says, yeah, right. You didn't hate it, man yay walking the show the mud the aggression the bears like that show was actually pretty good there were some really high, good highlights in there some great jackets like come on let's be real um it's a good show but it's very polished in many ways it was a show of fear i don't i don't like it when it's polished i like it when it's rough it's my aesthetic that show was polished all the sh all the models running around in the mud the fucking skateboard hoodies covered in mud and shit like those bits and bobs have been flying off the shelf how can that be wild, bro? The, the fact that he views his stuff like that is crazy. Um, I don't like it when it's too polished. I like it when it's rough. That's my aesthetic, and I have to stay loyal to that. What I showed today was probably my most personal and my most favorite collection because it was about me. It was about my story. Um, with this, with his cast of family and friends around him, including Linda Lopper and other academic staff who taught him at the airport, Antwerp, sorry, Academy, the collection reiterated the under and underscored all the Demnerisms he is impressed upon fashion at Balenciaga and before that his first business vetement. Imagine being one of his um, tutors at the fucking Antwerp Academy. You have the grace to say whatever you want to students for the next two decades and plus. Do you know what I mean? They can't talk to you. You can just say, look, I taught fucking Demner. You got to listen to me. Do you know what I mean? I know what I'm talking about. He's now gone on to be one of the most important designers of his time and probably will go down as one of the important designers in fashion history. You have to listen to me, right? Um, humongous tailoring, oversized hoodies and jeans, sinister leather coats and military camouflage were rep rep represented. So were um, plus evening gowns, um, floral prints, bathrobes, motorcycle levers. Demner's jockey accessories were everywhere. Um, Balenciaga sneakers grown... Um, even more absurdly vast than ever supermarket grocery toasts reproduced in leather oh they're actually leather wow marabou trimmed men's kitten heeled bardo slippers and hand carried shoes converted into clutch bags i love that fashion should be fun he said he said with a laugh yet he was also arguing for it to be taken seriously the opening and closing sections of a show were all made from multiple um, upcycled clothes one-offs and were sold under a new balenciaga atelier label oh wow amazing you know what i was thinking actually about clutch bags i've never actually worn one or had one because i tend to lose things a lot so my head if i had a clutch bag with my wallet keys a couple of eight balls in it i'd probably lose that quickly because i'll just be putting it down places walking away and forgetting i put it down so i wonder what the 
thinking is behind people who are able to carry clutch bags with them maybe you go to places in ubers all the time maybe you make sure you don't get too fucked up maybe you have to kind of train your brain to always hold it in your hand it's an odd thing to have holding in your that's why i like to have bags that have straps i can just put it over my body and just forget about it right i mean like i just like that i don't want to fiddle around all the time i want to have my hands free so it's an interesting design proposition to put out there like i don't think dudes usually carry clutch bags right unless you're a footballer and you've got those little wash bag things that they all like um Demner said that he'd done a lot of sewing himself and aiming to find new volumes on the machine on some basic types that he used as a student vintage trenches bombers were cobbled together with four sleeve apiece multiple evening gowns were made from multiple old evening gowns black silver fuchsia and satin and glitter gold meanwhile the soundtrack isabel huppert reading out the instructions of tailoring a jacket told another story about the labor that goes into fashion it took an hour just to record it said Demner. wow by the end huppert's dediction sped up almost to the point of hysteria with a pounding beat in the background i wanted to put it in the spotlight i wanted to show you i wanted to show you know fashion is a complex job and i wanted to show that appreciation and it adds to it the value to it i didn't i want her to be angry but i wanted to show how intense this process is and it's not marketing it's not business strategies about labor it's about creativity storing craft that's amazing i kind of want to hear the soundtrack now I need to start going back to watching actual shows. I only just usually just view the fucking images, but I need to actually watch shows just to get a feel of what this stuff is all about and stuff. But Balenciaga Spring 2024 looked absolutely amazing. I love the clutches. That wallet design thing is very, very on. Um, I'll definitely try and get the glasses and, and that wallet. To be fair, the bag probably might be a little bit out of my current price range if I wanted to get that. That bag is going to be pretty expensive, I'm assuming. This nice little tote handbag thing, I'm sure, isn't going to be cheap. The ballet flunt, the ballet pump heel things are really good design, but I'm still looking to get the ballet pumps very soon. Keep an eye out for that when I do the review on those. Um, the clutch shoe bag thing is a cool little design also. I love that. Very fun, very creative way of kind of presenting a bag. The wallet is one of my favorite bits and pieces, I'm not going to lie. Those upside down visor looking glasses are cool. The fur high heel things, kitten heel things are great. Audio crew mounts on the bag. I'm not too sure if they sell two, I'm sure it will be like that. There'll be two different versions. There'll be a version that has all these locks and keys on them and cut, you know, carabrinas in like a heart-shaped design and there'll probably be another one that's like a basic one because this one looks like it's been weathered and dyed on purpose too but i definitely prefer this version over the other one but one of my favorite pieces for sure has to be this fake luggage bag thing that's such a cool idea and design i've never seen that before taking a regular airport bag and then turning it into a bag that you can wear over your shoulder is so cool like i love that i'm not gonna lie i fucking love that couple design actually the hair and beauty is really good too the braids the dyeing of the hair looks really cool the ballet plump the ballet pump kitten heel things are great these um grocery bags that look like they're in the same plastic thing that they do um grocery bags in but they're actually made of leather are great the airport gown the balenciaga sneakers here they're going to be really popular I'm, I'm sure so the glasses all of these things are going to do really great and again i didn't know the wedding gown was made out of like you know it looks like fucking curtains you'd have your mum would have in their home and shit i really love the look of these so yeah loads of loads of great stuff on here loads of great graphics another clutch bag here made in a high heel design as you can see there's a zip there you can tell that's actually a bag that's really cool the pointy shoes here look really awesome as well i'm not going to lie oh they're actually flats i thought their sandals were like heel they're not they're actually flats they look really great as well and you've got the jeans on there another one with the clutch bag the high, the high heel clutch bag thing 
and then you got boyfriend here in the end wearing the wedding gown really cool love everything about it not really mad at it in the slightest would love to see more very very soon would love love to see more and then of course there's the beef that's ongoing between Demna and his brother Gorham which I'm also loving at the moment and um, Gorham who's now the head of Vetemar um, they're trying to retell the story and make it seem like Demna and Gorham are the same level ability design wise which I don't think is true I think the the initial story of Gorham being the business guy and Demna being the design guy is true um, obviously along the way they fell out and then Demna stopped doing better more and then Gorham took over it and so far you know he's done an okay job in maintaining the course that Vetemar was on but I don't think anyone could mess with Demna era Vetemar that Demna era was just too good and I'm even still buying up loads of bits and bobs from it I see people always asking for certain bits and bobs that that collection would be legendary forever and ever but Gorham had some words to say about flipping Demna and his collection of Balenciaga for featuring their mum as an opening look he posted on his Instagram right Demna's brother right <laughs> fucking hilarious proud to see my mum opening the Balenciaga show very sad that I was not invited to witness it praying for my brother's soul god bless him imagine praying for your brother's soul on the fucking instagram timeline is fucking hilarious so clearly they've got a lot of beef there um demna using his mum um as a as a prop is crazy the mum taking part and not wanting and not forcing demna to bring the brother is fucking crazy right fashion really has broken this family up man the vasilias are on fire it's like an episode of keeping up with the collections which is funny because i think somebody on social media posted a picture of a t-shirt that vetemon did before um that was uh keeping up with a with the Vasilias instead of keeping up Kardashians it was a little logo flip which was fucking hilarious so clearly there have been some issues in the background which must be um, annoying because I guess both guys want to be stars um, both guys want to be in the limelight um, but both guys aren't as talented as each other you know I mean one guy is Demna and one guy is Gorham so you know there needs to be I think an acceptance of your place even though you're still doing well and then kind of just being a cheerleader for the other guy I think that's probably a far better way to go about doing things but again what do I know um, Demna's mum and stuff are going to do what they're going to do he posted that and then he posted this other thing on his Instagram but he deleted it he deleted it. He actually deleted this, but he posted this post that shows a Vetemar um, gown um, with the model completely covered and hands covered from June 2023. And it shows the same gown style by Balenciaga made by his brother, recent collection from October 2023. And love how he said Vetema and other brand. <laughs> he really dislikes his brother, man. He really fucking dislikes his brother. So that's unfortunate that's happening. But again, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise if you read the article from the New York Times titled The Man Who Wants To Be The Biggest Thing In Fashion um, Goran Vasilius of Vetemar um, revealed that he had been making out costume to Madonna posp uh, postponed tour right before in the middle of control week it was a classic move so in this interview with Vanessa Friedman or this article he does say some very dicey things um, about his brother that will make you think hmm these guys aren't very close in the slightest i think i'm going to get try and get a quote here if i can find it if i scroll down you'll see a quote here um rolling down he's looking there yeah so here you go so um here's a quote from um gorham right talking about him right he says um you guys really misunderstand how it is gorham says referring to fashion media um and he scrolls down you see him there with his grills and shit so you can tell he's a different you know character to demna he's a bit more street he's a bit more hood he's a bit more wigger in his description of how he goes about doing things and he says here as a quote about demna my brother is six years older when i'm in second grade he's an eighth he got certain opportunities in life earlier but if you consider where i am today where my brother was 
he was my age. I think I'm far more advanced. So this is Demna's brother talking about him in a fucking big, you know, New York Times article, the way like that he's talking, like absolutely crazy. Like you talk about your brother like this in the press, ridiculous. Because you think even if you got beef, you keep that shit behind closed doors. But clearly they've been very competitive, very at their throats for a very long time. And, you know, he's basically saying, hey, I'm way further ahead now at my age when than, than, when, than when he was my age. Do you know what I mean? Um, you need to put more respect to my name, which is crazy. He also says, I give the best example that everyone can relate to. And this is the ultimate disrespect, I feel like. The Kardashians, you have Kim, who is a great person. We think she's whenever someone says that, you know there's gonna be disrespect coming. So you only you know you don't need disrespected Kim, you should disrespect his own brother. When everyone says they're a great person, by the way, I love them. It's like there's always some hate coming. Anyway, he says, The Kardashians, you have Kim, who is a great person. We think she's phenomenal. And you have Kylie. Kylie's the young generation. She's been very successful without having sex tapes, having without having to go through all the things that her sister had to go through. <laughs> Another example is Venus and Serena. They're both fantastic, but somehow there's a point where Serena manages to kind of take over. I think my brother is very talented, but I have a completely different approach to things. He had a good run for 10 years, and I think his era is slowly coming to its finishing line. Now it's my time. <laughs> so fucking toxic. <laughs> Imagine saying you're wishing for your brother's fucking downfall. You're wishing it ends for him. He's not that guy you're that guy absolutely wild then he continues and says it's just the right time for us after the momentum of our show Ben Shaka always releases news on the day of our show so I feel like it's only fair always must be something of an exaggeration anyway but you get it right you get it Gorham doesn't like Demna Demna clearly doesn't like Gorham to the point where he didn't even invite him um, to be a part of the family and friends show that he put together even though he said in a review that this show right if I'm not mistaken if you scroll back to the top of the review actually of the spring 2024 show didn't they say here um something about Demna was coming off a year which he felt very alone in reaction the spring 2024 um, show was a gathering of people who have meant the most to me in my personal and professional life <laughs> that's a fucking diss and then he puts his mum as the opening look but then doesn't feature Gurum anywhere in there and of course, everyone in the comments is going crazy as well about it. The beef is crazy. The connections of fashion. I was not invited to the show either and I'm not crying. <laughs> Gorham, did you invite your mother to open for Vetamal True? Um, average Georgian family. That is your mom. Oh my God, she's stunning. People cap people, you know, there's always someone going to be glazing in public. Um, if this is a strategic drama leading up to your collection, good. If not, I'm sorry. Siri rivalry is personal. Another heart sign. Well, put your mum in the next show and invite him. That he um here is not Cain and Abel. You both are, oh, okay, so it's glazing. Shut up. The Gallagher's of fashion, exactly. Good one. Can someone please explain the situation? Oh, just Google it. People are doing this as well. You Google's your friend, it's not difficult. So out of pocket, your local Kardashians, but better. Um, our local Kardashians, but better. Someone says here, yeah, I'm here for it. Please the caption. Um, what she says here? Uh, you should hire a PR. Did he did he reply to this? Hopefully, did he reply, Gorham? No, he didn't. Okay, I thought you did reply to that. Um, Carl, someone listed here. Uh, someone says, "What gorgeous LMAFAO. Uh, well, you can make the opening with your dad and not invite your bro. Anyway, both of you are talented. Um, why was he not invited? Praying for them the soul? Question mark. Maybe we should all pray for your soul instead. Um, such a low PR campaign. People thinking this PR is hilarious. They clearly don't get along because Demna very much left 
Vettemont very abruptly and he made it very clear he's not designing for them anymore. Um, he, he didn't even try to come back and do ghost designing. And since then, Vettemont's kind of gone a bit downhill, clearly. I think so. The maximalist, um, you know, paint by numbers, um, aggressive amount of looks that they have on the runway and stuff is just too much for me. There's some bits, some, some good stuff here and there, but their collections kind of feel like Chris Brown albums. You know, 100 tracks. I'm sure there's some good ones in there, but I'm not going to listen to 100 tracks. Same with them. I'm not about to look at fucking 100 looks of fucking Vetman down the runway. Not happening. Um, another person says, Keke Manke. What's that mean? Keke Si Manke. Don't know what that means. Excuse me, what? Some words in Georgian. Spill the tea. I see if she went because she was invited and him not. What she did was more bad, lack of empathy in the class than the fact that he was not invited. Learn ethics, please. Yeah, exactly. The mum coming in between this beef, right, and just have been happy she got her time in the sun is a bit wild. Do you know what I mean? Your mum should be the one kind of, you know, maybe, you know, trying to, I don't know, squash the beef. Is that too much to ask? Should mummy, should mum, should mumsy be trying to squash the beef or should she be happy that she got invited to the show and she can walk the show and have a good time? She should be, I think, squashing the beef personally. But again, you know, what do I know when it comes to this stuff? I don't know jack shit. I don't know Jackie, Jackie shit. But yeah, the Demners are, the Demners are beefing. They're always beefing, it seems like, for some reason. I'm not really too sure why, but the Demners are beefing. Everyone's really upset and hopefully hopefully that there's a resolution soon because no one likes to see the family feud in the timeline especially not me it kind of breaks my heart i'm not gonna lie but it's hilarious to see it's absolutely hilarious to see so nice 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 <laughs> moving on from that one let's of course talk about the drake album which i really 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 enjoyed really 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 enjoyed i cannot lie and then, of course, we have to talk about the Drake album for all the dogs that just came out over this past weekend. I tried my best to stay up for it, but unfortunately, it was slightly delayed, so it didn't drop. I think usually when American albums come out on the Friday night, that's usually around 6 a.m. Saturday my time. So I've got time to listen to it a little bit before I kind of go to quote unquote bed. Or sometimes when I wake up, if I go gym early in the morning, I can listen to it straight away. But I didn't. So I had to kind of wait for everybody else to listen to it. Then by the time I woke up in the afternoon of Saturday afternoon, I was able to listen to it at home and listen to it a little bit into the gym. And I have to be honest, I really enjoyed it. I'm sh I know some of the reception from people online hasn't been the greatest. Obviously, we're going to speak about the Joe Budden stuff. But personally, um, being a fan of Drake and mostly being a take care type of fan that's kind of when i started and that's kind of my introduction to drake and obviously also being a fan of his sort of musical journey and understanding kind of where he's coming from because of the experience i had being a weekend fan i'm still am but that experience of kind of having somebody do house of balloons and then go and do something like kiss land and then obviously going to the albums he's done subsequently you can realize that some artists although we would love them to be like yay and to take chances on each albums and to be experimental and shit some artists enjoy you know trying to challenge themselves and become a pop star which basically has its own levels of challenge because you have different level of fans and people you have to basically satisfy and there's also people who just want to do their own thing so you know not everybody can be AA not everybody wants to be AA and that's perfectly okay so I'm judging the album solely based on Drake's previous work and I have to personally say I think his previous if I'm not mistaken his actual last proper proper album 
was certified lover boy if i'm not mistaken right not collaborative anything just an actual album was certified lover boy and i possibly can honestly say i didn't really enjoy that um the compilation was great and honestly never mind i enjoyed that because it's got a lot of electronic dance music type inspired stuff that i'm obviously into um like loads of like what you describe as housey tech housey deep housey minimal type of sounds i'm already a fan of that the same way i was a fan of um what's that one called uh the one that's got flipping gigs on it because that was also kind of the similar type of vibe the one i'm thinking about is more life that also had a lot of kind of you know danceable um kind of tracks that he probably have heard when he was on holiday and out and about and shit so i'm not really that bothered about the compilations i quite might i quite like them i know a lot of bands don't and they prefer to just have rapidly rap albums or r&b albums but compared to certified lover boy which unfortunately for me was a big disappointment i really did like um for the dogs i think all the dogs has been one of the better most um, interesting albums that Drake has put out in a while. Um, different flows, different sounds. Sonically, it sounds really interesting. The beats go in interesting places. The features are cool. Like, I'm a real big fan of the album. I really did enjoy it. And I think the first kind of like um, critique would be I would probably change the ordering a little bit, the sequencing of the album slightly. Um, as good as Virginia Beach is as a track, I might start off with Amen with Tezo Touchdown as a feature going first because that Tezo Touchdown feature is absolutely flames. And it's annoying because I'm a fan of Tezo Touchdown, but that album he dropped recently was really, really underwhelming, considering as well how great his features has been. It's sort of similar to J. Cole. J. Cole's been smashing it with the fucking features the last 18 months or so. Um, if he was to drop an album and it's underwhelming, people are going to be really disappointed because you've kind of, you know, our expectation levels are super high because of the features you've been doing. Same with Tezo Touchdown. He makes all these amazing features. Then Drake goes out of his way to say that he's the most incredible artist he's ever worked with. More pressure. The album ends up dropping and it's a bit of a meh. I haven't listened to it again since it basically released, which is a disappointment because he's a really good artist. And he reminded me of that and his range musicality all this malarkey and his talent on amen he sounds incredible on it i really do love him on the album sounds fantastic sounds really good and he's got a few writing credits on this album as well so clearly the guy's pen is no joke um calling for you featuring 21 savage is a really good tune i really enjoyed 21 savage's verse fear of heights is also one of my favorites on there daylight i really liked of course first plan shooter with j cole everybody's loving that um i don't give a fuck featuring yeet is fire flames actually i I really flipping actually enjoyed that um i also enjoyed six nine seven nine six nine center which flowed incredibly well with slam you out and how much different the slam you out sound now that we've kind of heard it in sequence huh how much different it sounds absolutely incredible i love slam you out really really amazing tune and then actually one of my favorites i'm not gonna lie is bahama promises i think this free run is maybe one of the most emotive runs i felt in a while like this does something to me when i hear 696 um 7969 center slime you out featuring scissor and bahama promises one of my favorite um free song runs from drake in a very very long time it's just there's a, a real warmth and a feeling to it especially benny x i'm thinking about his productions and stuff although he has that style that a lot of kids love nowadays i don't know what you'd call it that sort of like digitized synthy almost tinny sound he still has an ability to make his tracks feel warm i don't know how to describe it else but that's the way i kind of describe it benny x has a really talented ability to make tracks feel some level of warmth 
to it and I think he does a really good job of slamming you out but um, Bahamut and obviously the other person involved is too is called Grant Lapointe as well so big up those people and I think there's meant to be four of his rosters who else is involved here um, Noel Castade 40 and Drake and D10 Bahamut promises but is absolutely flames absolutely love that track then it gets into try your best screw the world drew picasso if i was being really picky and i wanted to reorder this album and cut some fluff out because i think there is a real lack of really aggressive self-editing when it comes to music in general but i also think drake is a peculiar one because he's always been somebody that's been willing to give his fans more right he because obviously he's one of the biggest artists out there he likes to give people soundtracks for their lives and shit he mentioned it all the time on his live shows so i think looking at his discography you don't you can't really find many projects that he has that are like less than like i don't know less than 10 tracks they don't exist he always gonna do more than 10 and sometimes he'll give you a fucking double disc just to kind of keep you happy and shit so he's never gonna do a 14 album track or no which i think the last 14 album might, might have been more life in it more life i think had a, had like yeah, even more life wasn't that short. I can't think of one. Maybe was it the care package that was quite short? 17 tracks on the care package? I can't think of many that were really, really short. 14 tracks was the last one I can see here was Dark Lane Demo Tapes, which again was a compilation. So I would like him to do a tight 14 as an album or even a 10, but we're not going to get that in a while. So if I had to do it myself, I would have probably stopped the album around probably around track 12. If anything, I'd probably make it 14 tracks and then I'd include some flame ones, which are on the other side. Because I think the first, let's say, 12 tracks on this album are bad, are sick, super, super good. And then the other second half, I think it kind of falls off a bit of a cliff, unfortunately. Members only featuring Pie Next Door is a real disappointment. I'm really looking forward to hearing Pie Next Door again. Um, I'm not too sure if his sound is dated um, or if it's just him or if it's my ear and I've kind of, you know, other people have come in and occupied his space that he used to take up in my you know listening whatever it may be he just doesn't sound the same pilot doesn't hit the same as it used to do in the past and again i don't know what sure what's happened it might not be him it might just be me but something has happened and he doesn't really resonate with me the same way so i didn't really enjoy members only and um, what would pluto do i could really miss with that one the older parties and featuring chief geek was a really interesting one because you know you couldn't really hear chief keith on the track really to be honest um i like how they kind of flicked around with his voice and shit and the production on it was absolutely crazy good as well atm and charlotte i definitely include in my top 15 tracks or 14 tracks if i had to kind of slim it down um i also like gently featuring bad bunny but i'm also a big bad bunny fan so i'm probably a little bit biased in that regard and then i also thought a real big sleeper an undercover hit is rich baby daddy featuring sex red and scissor this is a really underrated track but i think this is going to go off in the clubs it'll go off live like this mixed well correctly is going to be a banger and then another late night featuring Lil yatty um i didn't really enjoy drake's verse on this i like the production i think the video is really great but it's something i can kind of miss um and then away from home i was really a big fan of at the end one of my favorite tracks i love when drake gets on his like i remember you guys aren't shit i'm i, I always keep a grudge type of energy because you know i'm usually somebody that tries to be the most um I try to be a what's that thing called purposefully forgetful right I always try and kind of do a little bit of a self-deletion in my brain of people that maybe fucked me over in the past so I can just keep moving but it's also nice to remember you're reminded by a you know stellar artist that no 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 use those guys as fuel as motivation to kind of keep you going and that's the kind of 
energy I felt for the entire album because I think Drake warned us many times this was going to be it's kind of you know it's in the name for all the dogs that it was going to be a very honest um, maybe brutally honest album that was also going to be veering on the side of misogynistic maybe on the side of toxic masculinity but it's going to be the opportunity to kind of talk his shit and I think yeah he told us also he was talking some shit on here and I think he ended up did he ended up talking a lot of shit on it I think there's bars here that people are alleging were going at yay there's bars here alleging going at Rihanna and saying the sex was average and stuff taking the piss of maybe Rocky and the fact that he can't leave her like loads of little subs and digs at certain people on this album and I think personally for me I enjoyed it because it sounded like it came from a real place he actually sounded I wouldn't say hungry but he sounded annoyed right yeah I mean he had that kind of annoyed like what are these guys talking to me about you know what those LA guys do now like you know like that wave their hand the little goons and stuff like he had that kind of energy about him which i really enjoyed to be completely honest but like i said if i was really kind of critical i'd have kind of slimmed the album down to about 15 tracks if i could he's never going to give me a 10 album album which i would love 10 bangers you know one to one to ten but if i could get down to 15 i could easily do that and i think i'd get rid of most of the second half after maybe track 12 and then i maybe include like i said before 8 a.m in charlotte um gently featuring bad bunny rich baby daddy featuring sexy red and scissor and of course away from home really did enjoy that and i thought that was cool and i also like to be honest i'm not gonna lie i think the him and yatty relationship is pretty cool i'm liking how they're hanging out i'm liking that he's having a new lease of life with yatty around i think think there's no coincidence that since yeah he's been around he's been dressing in a way more quote-unquote cooler way his style has definitely improved you know you can obviously see with the inspiration with the nail polish the clips in the hair and stuff i think all of that stuff is necessary um and needed if he is nice at his level because he's achieved everything right where else is the motivation going to come from you need to have it by the people you're surrounded by because you know you can have everything that money can buy and some things that you can't buy like friendship you kind of get inspired through that through their stories uh, through their experiences and stuff and that can maybe inform your art so i'm a big fan of it and i'm eager to see how this relationship develops and grows and goes into it and i also think there's something to be said for yati's ability to be friends with drake because of how much of a smaller artist he is i think there is in general definitely you could tell from looking on the outside looking in guys at that level probably find it hard to make friends because everyone's always wanting something from them so when you find somebody who's securing themselves doesn't need you for anything it just wants to be your friend it's quite refreshing so it's no surprise that drake has latched on to yay and is now calling him his fucking best friend in stadiums and shit right because he probably doesn't meet a lot of people especially kids or artists at yay's stage who are not trying to get a feature out of him every time they meet they're not trying to get him to listen to music they're just talking hanging out talking shit busting each other's balls and stuff and just doing what friends will do so it's pretty cool to see even though some people don't agree with yeah is that that yeah his music and stuff whatever it may be it's cool to see that he's clearly got a personality that a lot of the bigger dudes in hip-hop in the music industry kind of like and of course that will probably solidify him for years and years to come because they're always going to look after him so i really do like that but we need to talk about the controversy regarding some of the reviews out there and namely the one and only joe budden it has to be said though before i continue with this that joe budden really does have a talent and ability to get himself in the news it's definitely something that people don't put a lot of respect on his name about that but his ability to generate clicks and get eyes and ears on the stuff that he does is really second to none you really cannot 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 um underestimate just how difficult that is to do because none of them i don't think would there is some exception obviously recently we've seen it but i think for the most part everything he says he believes he doesn't just 
chuck out hot takes for the sake of it and they usually come from an informed opinion so joe had some very particular words to say about drake's album basically in conclusion he didn't like it and i think some of the stuff that he said um probably hit drake a bit close to home or annoyed him to the point where he wrote an entire reply in dj academics's comments and it's funny the dj, DJ academics connection because academics is an unapologetic drake stan he's a lover he fucking loves drake he's that's his goat but drake is also a little bit arm's length um when it comes to academics he doesn't really fully embrace him so this is probably the first time you see drake really on axe page commenting like that engaging like you can clearly see he follows the page i mean like he doesn't really let it be known too much that he's drake's guy um that drake's drake and him are cool he kind of lets axe say it but he doesn't really like to say himself like you know he didn't get on stream with him when he streamed the album which was a bit sad um and so to him to jump on the comments that way the comment is really interesting and obviously to do it directing at dro who's also a friend of act was really interesting but i want you to hear what he had to say regarding the album because you know he has a point in what he's saying but i think some of the bars are a little bit too personal which is why probably drake replied the way that he did i'm going to give you my reaction and then we're going to continue so let's hear joe on drake albums uh, let's hear joe sorry on drake's new album for the dogs this is like yachty rapping this is like he rapping for the children and that's my yo dog i had to look up how old this nigga was when i finished listening to the album Mm-hmm. You are 36. Your birthday is in 20 days. I Googled that too. You will be 37 years old. Get the fuck away from some of these younger niggas and stop fucking these 25 year olds. I'm listening to the album. You mentioned it. Why are you still fucking the 25 year olds? You're a 37 year old billionaire. I get it that you appeal to the world. When stay current. I get it that you appeal to the world and part of that nah, is that. niggas don't want to grow but up. But that's what I'm loving they about Cole. Like my shit is happening in reverse. Like with Cole, he used to rap about kid shit. I'm a grown ass, like real Jersey City nigga. I don't want to hear how you lost your fucking virginity. And then he started to grow up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the rapping sounded the like an up. adult rapping. Mm-hmm. I'm want to hear adult Drake rapping for adult people. No, you're not going to hear that's that. That's my issue with him today. You're not going to hear he that rapping, because... He rapping for the kids, the streams, the, the, the Instagram the comments, the algorithm. Yeah, rapping. I'm rapping for this. No, He ain't really rapping. Just, he ain't trying not, to rap for me. No, he's not. And I accept that. I don't yes. know. I accept that. Mm-hmm. Listen, he has given me... Enough. I certainly don't want to sound like I'm sitting here complaining. If he don't make another song... I am well fed, pause. Bro, that that was my take. He did it already. He, I can hate everything he puts out going forward. I got enough Drake in my iTunes. I'm good. I get what he means, but I just think when it comes to a fellow peer who was in the music industry and knows how difficult it is, it's always going to hit different. I think this has been one of the unfortunate parts of, you know, I guess Joe's a session in podcasting. I think he's seen, unfortunately, because he was a former rapper himself, no matter how constructive or well-meaning his critique is of some people, it's just always going to be received the worst way. And for some reason, artists particularly, especially hip-hop artists, are incredibly sensitive and um, unwilling to receive any kind of criticism that isn't just sucking them off. So I think a long time ago, 
Joe basically stopped caring and if he doesn't want to get on your nerves or he thinks you're going to cry, he just won't mention you, which is bad because, you know, it's kind of apathy. But um, if he does want to make a point of something, he will basically say it in the most harshest way possible because why not? So I kind of get it. Um, I just think when it comes to Drake, it's like you need to basically, res I don't know, you need to kind of critique Drake in that more so in the lens of, do you enjoy the music? Yes or no. If you don't, you don't enjoy it. Yes. If you don't enjoy it. Yes. What well, is what it is. But critiquing his music based on his lifestyle choices is a little bit low, especially when you're Joe yourself, right? Joe was known as being the guy. He was the guy who was known for scooping up all the young 25 year old and younger baddies that would kind of run through the flipping um, that would kind of come up in sorry in the scene and he'd kind of get them first before anybody else right he was known to be that dude he was always significantly older than the girls that he was kind of dating or whatever it may be and only recently um has he now um hooked up with a lady who has a kid is a bit older and i guess he's seen the benefits of it which is funny because you know the the, the fans like myself and people who are fans of the reddit and whatever who are fans of the podcast sorry have been screaming for the longest time that it's really cringe when you hear joe basically complaining about relationships and sex and women and shit and whatever it may be and most of it was through the lens of a guy that's only fucking strippers and 25 year olds it's like dude this isn't they don't speak for all women you know what i mean like there's a whole breadth of women out there that you're completely oblivious to because you're only into a particular type now that he's dating a woman who's clearly got her own life going on does her makes her own money has her own kind of family whatever life experiences that are a bit older he's now seen the benefits of it and now he's trying to poo poo others who were doing the same thing that he was doing only a couple of years ago that's a little bit lame so i can understand why drake would hear that and be offended the other point of it as well is it's just a natural it's just a normal it's the unavoidable thing of like talking for a living when you talk for a living you become successful from and again i hope this doesn't happen to me i hope when i finally start to make some actual real coins from this to support myself and kind of help out my family and shit that doesn't happen to me but it generally does to a lot of podcasters where you talk enough for a living you start to adopt a tone of where of how like you know what you're talking about as if you've got intrinsic knowledge of the topic that you're talking about and you know how to do it best it can come across like that it's unavoidable for some reason and i feel like if you're drake and you're hearing joe critique your career and tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing you can maybe look at him with a bit of a side eye like bruh you were never in the league though you were never in the league like that you were never in the league at this stage in this era with the pressures that are in there with the conspiring with the record labels and the hating house people behind the scenes and the you know the fans wanting more and this and that it's a difficult thing to do to be a pop star i remember one of the things i remember that kind of opened my eyes to it was when i was a big weekend fan when he first came up and i still am now but back when he was not really you know wanting to show his, his face on stage and sort of stuff whatever it may be and doing the house of balloon stuff i remember one pivotal album one pivotal album sorry called Kissland that he did that really split the fan base but it was also kind of his first step to sort of like pop stardom and i remember him saying in an interview once that it's really easy for him to do house of balloons type music like he basically said he could do 30 of those albums um with his eyes closed easily but he said the hardest thing to do is to create 
pop records that appeal to the masses because there's so many different people out there in the world, right? You're having to kind of create these albums and these songs that touch people from all different parts of the world, different life experiences, whatever it may be, but it'd be undeniable. That's a harder thing than actually creating music for a particular type of niche who likes that particular type of brand of R&B or music, whatever he makes. So the thing that Drake is doing at the level that he's doing it is really difficult to do, to keep experimenting, to trying new sounds and also keeping your fans fed is or satisfied is really hard and i think he does a really good job at it especially when it comes to the compilations when it comes to the singles when it comes to the collabs when it comes to the lucy's that he throws out there he does a pretty good job to kind of appease all of his fans maybe one of his criticisms you could kind of levy at drake is that he's probably a little bit too much of a like a listener pleaser which is probably why his last recent albums have been quite enjoyable to me honestly never mind the compilation thing not caught not not so far but i didn't really enjoy that one and then obviously um for the dogs i felt like were the first times he sort of like done something for himself right like a sort of like you know a selfish um sort of project stuff full of stuff that he's been into at that current moment i kind of like that especially the for all the dogs because obviously it was mostly recorded while he was on tour so you know you would imagine a lot of it was just stuff that he was into stuff that he liked and obviously he kind of you know finished all of it and then dropped it for all of us to listen to so that might be one of the criticisms you can levy at him maybe he tries to people please too much and she maybe be a little bit more selfish like a drake or sorry like a yay and make albums that he just wants to make make them the way he wants to make it you like it or you don't and then keep it moving who knows but i felt like that's where the criticism or that's where drake could probably be a little bit offended at joe because he's thinking hey man you are not really in the ring like that you never really got it like that you should know how hard it is um you know at this type of level and you should have a little bit more grace and maybe because there are kind of friends him coming the way that he came at him especially when it comes to the girls thing um the stuff that he said about his birthday the age shaming was really weird because that was something that was levied at joe joe always got that kind of stick from people right that he is a particular age and he's messy he's a particular age and he talks a certain way he's a particular age and he likes certain women he's a particular age and he acts a certain way that's something that's always levied against him so to him to use the same insult towards drake knowing how hurtful or where it comes from is probably something that probably you would imagine got under drake's skin to the point where he was like no 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 no, i can't have be having this guy out here talking and besmirching my name like that so of course, in a very rare instance, Drake decided to get into the comments and completely eviscerate Joe. And I don't know, even though I don't listen to Joe on the podcast anymore, I felt really sad for him. I'm not going to lie, because, you know, at one point they were kind of friendly. At one point, the running joke of the Joe Budden podcast was, oh, when are we going to get Drake on for an interview? But I think it's fair to say after this absolute destruction of a comment, most likely we're never going to get Drake ever on that podcast ever again. Or he's never going to come on there, even if he was meant to come on there before. It's not happening anymore now. So Drake reacted. I posted this comment on Instagram via DJ Academics' page from the clip that I just showed you. And he said in response, and at in Joe Budden too, right? So he put a fucking name on it, which is fucking crazy. He said, at Joe Budden, you have failed at music. You left it behind to do what you're doing in this clip because this is what actually pays your bills. For any artist watching this, just remember you're watching a failure give their opinion on his idea of a recipe for success. A quitter give their opinion on how to achieve longevity. You switch careers because the things that pop into your brain had you broke living check to check and the raps you write had 450 men showing up to your shows in dusty and nice um, jeans to screw up their face to Mew Music 29 and pretend that you're the GOAT please to any artist that's doing what they feel is right don't let these opinions affect your mindset after the fact 
This guy is the poster child of frustration and surrendering. You retired and we never hung up your jersey. We don't even remember your number. We know you for doing this, dot, dot, dot. You withdrew from rap not because you accomplished all you need to, it's because it wasn't working for you. I never want anybody in this generation to think that the whole everybody's entitled to their opinion is a real thing, dot, dot, dot. This is a man projecting his own self-hate and the fact that I did and continue to do everything he wanted to do for himself. If you need to put it in simpler terms, I own a 6767. He owns a modest house in the 973 and flies first class on special occasions. Absolute ether and mic drop. I like that he used this chance to dunk on Joe as also an opportunity to teach or to kind of give a lesson to younger artists to not pay too much mind to podcasters and shit but then he's also writing an entire paragraph of full of insults that clearly you know kind of give the impression he might have been a little bit you know it might have cut a bit close to home there might be some truth in what joe said so i like the you know i love the kind of um duality of that but i think i will uh, afford drake some grace and just say he was just fed up of hearing joe talk like he knew what he was talking about basically i think we all feel that way listen to pods especially joe and other people like they talk with such certainty about the industry and you're like yo you haven't even done anything in that space you know what i mean you ne you were never successful you quit to do podcasting because the music wasn't working for you how now do you know what it takes to be one of the biggest stars in the world do you know what i mean you have no idea because you couldn't do it at your little small level or your on your little scale whatever it may be so i just think it was just an annoyance and he just you know essentially just put out all the thoughts that he's always probably held and had about joe into one very brutal um comment it also sounded very um, rust-coded, right? In terms of like teaching other artists how to approach certain things and say, hey, listen to, look at this guy. Don't listen to him. He's not serious. This is, this. don't let somebody like this dissuade you from your dreams and bloody blah, 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 blah. Because it's clear that Drake is having a bit of a re reawakening. He's sort of having a different mindset when life, relationships, obviously the Yai relationship and friendship is probably a key to it. But you can see he's definitely coming into a place where he's a lot more comfortable in his own skin. You can obviously see it visibly based on how he's doing his hair, his nails and shit, the clips on his hair and stuff, the stuff that he's wearing. Um, he started to design his own clothes. I think those pants that he's always wearing are stuff that he designs himself into in different fabrics. So clearly you can see him coming into a bit more of a self-actualization type of thing, right? Being at one with himself and the last thing he's going to want is somebody to tell him what to do at this stage of his career when he's essentially has written his own ticket to do what he wants right he's been he's been so successful in the past with so many bangers of an of albums and singles and shit that it afforded him the luxury to take more chances now um as he's kind of progressing in his career and he's also used the opportunity to put other people on right i like the fact that a lot of the features on the album actually have kind of felt that to me they felt like a bit of a homage of a homage like a they felt like a like a gratitude feature like instead of him just going on there trying to like out bar for bar somebody like there's even a picture of him saying um yeet carried or something right this meme and basically people are saying oh yeah yeet absolutely dunked on drake i think drake likes that he wants that he wanted all the features on these album to outshine him he wanted it to, it to be a kind of a celebration of the stuff that he's into and likes and stuff so there's a lot of gratitude i think that's mixed in with some of the toxicity on the album so to him to hear somebody as toxic as the toxic king joe budden say what he said he probably took it personally and that's why he ripped him the way that he did um all the disses in here are incredible and very funny very petty but kind of you know a reminder that 
you are never really friends with these people. I think Drake gave this, uh, Joe gave the same response or advice to DJ Academics, but I think he forgot the advice for himself. I think he always mistaken the success that he had with his pod as some sort of acceptance and whatever it may be of reverence and respect from artists. That's my current feeling. I think Drake, oh, sorry, I think Joe honestly did think because his podcast was going off and people were loving it, that people in the industry actually liked him. And I think a good sign of this is this post here, courtesy of the Reddit that someone posted. It's a screenshot taken from the Shade Room comment um, that's kind of, you know, rounding up the news and Drake's flipping reply. And you can see here in the likes down below that Big Sean liked this post and Joe and Big Sean are meant to be cool. So I think it's clear to see for me that a lot of these artists kind of tolerated Joe because his platform's big, um, maybe respected him because if he's got big platform, who knows? But in terms of musically and his opinion on you know the the industry and how to make it and shit, they probably looked at him like a bit of a goof. Like, bro, you never really made it that far. You not you know you've not really made yourself you know popular in that same same form. You only made it pop yourself in on pods and stuff. It, they probably never took him too seriously. So they probably were all waiting for somebody to rip into him the way that Drake did. And obviously even being the biggest star in the world to do it, it probably hits a little bit closer to home and makes more sense um to kind of agree with anybody else. So I think in Joe's head, again like I said previously, I just think he for some reason forgot that people have never really liked him. I think that was usually the appeal of Joe Budden and being a Joe Budden fan. No one really liked him. And then he won with, with surrounded by his friends doing what he wanted, right? He won doing what he wanted, surrounded by his friends with this amazing podcast um, that was talking about culture, talking about music. Um, you know, it kind of reminded you of your own friendship group. Or if you had no friends like me, it kind of made you feel like you had friends because of this weird parasocial relationship you had, listening to them every single week. But I think he mistaken that success as an indication that he was now respected in the industry i don't think that's ever been the case personally i think he's always you know unfortunately just personality is very hard to like like i've always said and people have always said also it's probably very difficult to be joe's friend so you can imagine what he must be like behind closed doors and shit especially as an artist over the years and whatnot um bloody blah 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 but i think he mistaken that success as okay the industry loves me again and this fucking back and forth with drake was a reminder that no they actually don't they tolerated you because you're the biggest guy out there making fucking pods and shit but it's not as if they actually actually like you and this is a reminder that he needed that hey maybe the scene doesn't like you the way they do you need to kind of settle and chill but i also have sympathy for joe because i think unfortunately when you do a pod it's really hard not to sound like you know what you're talking about at all times because you're just talking you know for the sake of talking it's hard not to come across like you have any sort of authority i think it's just the nature of this talking platforms and i think it also is one of those things where i've kind of understood for myself when it comes to the djing electronic music side of things when i finally achieve what i need to achieve in that scene and i become a touring you know art dj who's playing in big clubs and shit i know that i'm gonna have to probably chill out on some of the critiques that i have of the scene of certain clubs of certain djs of certain mixes of certain albums and stuff because it becomes more political i'm sure once i get in the industry i'll start to see um, certain things a different way i'll start to maybe understand why certain people do certain things a certain way and it'll make me a bit more you know i guess compassionate about the positions and things that people do and a bit more understanding so that i wouldn't go into them too hard but it has to change you just can't be in it and also be a commentator you have to decide one or the other and i think joe's 
basically been reminded of that also again like you're not you're never going to be viewed as just a commentator because you were once a rapper you were once in the industry you were once trying to pursue your own musical career and it didn't work out and it kind of quote unquote failed and you gave up everything to podcasting so now you're trying to dunk on people who are still active who are still you know putting up numbers who are still out here it can be viewed a little bit like bro come on you know what i mean like you have to be for real be for real so I get Drake's um, response to it. But it's just unfortunate that when you write this much amount of text, it's really hard not for it to come across like you're pressed, you know? That's the only issue. When it's this amount of words, it's hard not for it to come across like you give a fuck. Even if you write one line, aha, it just sounds like you're hating. It sounds like you're hurt. When you write a whole paragraph, people think that you're hurt. So it depends. Do you just ignore it and act like you didn't see it, even though you disagree with everything that person says and you think they're talking out of their ass? Or do you want to use it as a teachable moment to remind people, hey, I'm not someone to be joked with. I take my art seriously. Also, if you're going to come at me, come at me correct, especially if you haven't got your own affairs and orders. But I think this is you know it's kind of on par with what drake's been on this year or this you know in the run-up to the album because he did the same thing to um, elliot wilson too right he gave him a big dressing down also so i'm not surprised that he was not having it when flipping thingy said what he said then he also played this really funny clip i'm gonna see if i can get it up on here bear with me but he played this clip um basically talking about you know the whole joe thing again and basically saying oh this guy thought he was kobe and it's a clip taken i think from the golden state warriors i think it's a documentary maybe that they have because of the championship again i'm not a basketball guy so please forgive me but he played this clip on his instagram stories regarding the whole thing that i thought was absolutely hilarious let me play it for you now if you're not Kobe, why are you talking? The one thing about trash talk is it just happened. Boom, you say something, boom, it's right there. I think it was amazing. It, uh, it also shut him right up. But if you're going to come at him and start something with him, you better be able to take it because he's going to come right back at you. Trash talk is an art. I love it. You thought you was Kobe. You thought you was Kobe. So obviously, um, Drake, what he, he said, what he said there. Then he posted a screenshot on his Instagram. Sorry, then he posted a post on his Instagram stories with the caption, you thought you was Kobe laughing. And then that, w that wasn't enough, right? He kind of, he for Joe Budden, he then decided to go after fucking Parks, which is hilarious, right? Because all I hear whenever I hear C Parks' name is Mal, Mal saying, Parks, Parks, and it's funny because Parks has been a unapologetic Joe Budden cock holster, right? He's been sucking him off since the breakup. He's made it very clear where he is, like where he's allegiant, where his allegiances lie. Um, and it was kind of gross to be honest when the whole breakup happened. How quickly he sided with Joe, his inability to be um, objective, and the whole beef and stuff. But I guess he knows that his bread is buttered, and he made it very, very clear. So he was sucking off Joe, and ever since then he's kind of been kind of Joe's kind of cheerleader, always giggling at whatever he's saying on a pod in the background and stuff, and just a little bit annoying of how much of a ass licker he is. So it's quite nice that he's getting some shots fired at him also, because you know if you're gonna lick Joe's buttons ass, you also have to accept that you're gonna maybe catch some strays along the way so he posted a picture of you know parks looking like parks does and also posted a caption underneath that says the following sorry one more thing dot 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 imagine listening to mark zuckerberg tell the next generation about good verses and turnt beats <laughs> <laughs> 
and then he's got obviously Parks looking the way that he does. So you know, basically comparing Parks to the uncoolest guy ever is fucking incredible. Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a lot of things, but he's not a cool dude, and he's not going to be be able to you know give good critiques on turn beats or good verses, which is funny because I'd love to see Mark Zuckerberg see this and take it as a challenge and start producing. Imagine Mark Zuckerberg goes in the lab, puts out a little skit in reply to this and proves everybody wrong. No, I've actually got some source. Watch me make a tune. Watch me make a thing. Like, you know what I mean? He's got, he's got a fucking moniker, Big Zucks or something. That would be pretty sick if that happened, but I doubt it's going to happen. But yeah, um, I love Drake for actually tearing apart everybody and going at them. And it's also going to be good content. You know, I think anybody that's a fan of Joe or has heard Joe Budden's podcast and content will know he has no capacity for embarrassment or shame he's a content over everything type of guy similar to adam 22 so he's gonna love this as embarrassing and as you know as this is to get obliterated like this by the biggest star in music right this should be embarrassing for anybody he's gonna love it because it's gonna give him content for the next 10 plus years and it also kind of puts to bed this idea that him and drake aren't cool or he doesn't talk to him or he doesn't know what he says doesn't see anything that whole narrative can die now because he's gonna be playing it up now because he knows drake's always gonna be watching his content or he knows people are gonna be thinking drake's watching his content so you're gonna see fucking joe really basking in the glory of of drake saying what he said about him so be prepared for the next podcast to be um either a cop session where he tries to cop please or it'll be a session where he basically tries to say this is all part of the plan he's press all this sort of stuff or maybe even a wild card option you may see joe go back in a booth and lay some crazy verses down on a track and actually go fucking you know go all the way in on flipping um drake and make it be known that hey hey don't talk to me that way I can outbar you. That might be an option. You never know. But let's see. Let's see what happens. Next, I want to talk about this quickly as well regarding Ian Schwartzman, um, one of the business partners of Joe Budden, going on Twitter and deciding to, again, put on his cape for Joe and defend him. Now, I was wondering to myself, right, how do you be this person? How do you know this is for you? Because I read these tweets and I want to throw up in my mouth when I read them. I understand that Ian Schwartzman is, again, part of Joe Budden's fucking network. He helps him business-wise. And it's to his benefit that Joe is successful, that Joe is in the news and viral because that probably helps pay his mortgage, that helps put his kids in private school and whatever it may be. So there's an incentive with it, right? But openly sucking off somebody like this is just so gross and cringe for me but i guess this is part of the reason why i'm probably not as successful as ian schwartzman because he plays his position correctly he knows where his bread's buttered and he does everything in his power to protect his interest and one of the ways to protect your interest is by going on twitter and slobbering on your boss which he did here in one way he did it with this with this first tweet that says be the guy or girl behind the quote-unquote guy or the quote-unquote girl that's a valuable position. That sounds like a, a very sus, by the way. Being behind the scenes can have rewards far greater than being in the light. Most people never reach those heights because they can't play their position. They, they let ego lead them astray instead, which is basically a way of saying, you know, it's easier to be the number two of somebody very talented because there's less talented people than there are number twos. So if you know you're mid, if you know you're average, if you know you don't have the talent to be the main guy, just be behind the number two. That's basically what you're saying. Another one, the best only acknowledgement, the best only acknowledge the best. 
they don't waste time shooting down hopefully that makes sense so he's obviously slobbering on joe and essentially saying drake is only responding to joe because joe's the best podcaster that ever lived which is fucking incredibly insane to say but hey again he knows his brother's bud another tweet says the best show in the world dot cringe and the last one joe budden is the most important figure in media unconventional in approach untethered to any agenda driven uh, entity no relationships interfere with his true opinions um ask him about diddy ask him about cardi b okay cool no stage name no act a former mc turned media mogul with the world constantly listening and watching yo i want to vomit and i want to fucking run my face into a wall so badly but i wonder how do you become this person how do you become the person that's unapologetically got your cape on and sucking off your boss in public like this like i could never do it personally it legitimately fills me with absolute you know fear to be that person that would be on social media sucking somebody off and trying to defend a grown man who's well and capable of defending themselves this is legitimately gross but again you know joe has a good option has a good way of surrounding himself with sycophants and yes men and this is another one um even if joe was in the wrong he wouldn't have called him out he would be on social media fucking sucking him off but the way that he's doing it now is incredibly gross and as per usual with men it just doesn't hit the same when men do this type of thing it just doesn't hit right when women do it with each other it is what it is yes queen represent represent but when men suck each other off in public there's no way to not view it as glazing there's no way to not view it as you offering your ass to your friend to give you back shots it's impossible not to see it that way so yeah ian schwartzman i guess he's playing his position i guess it's good to be a good number two but i wouldn't do it in that way it's just a bit too flagrant it's just a bit too gross for me personally but again what do i know what do i know and then we need to talk about a little bit let's follow this one so this is courtesy of an account called whorehead sales which is featuring a very incredible impeccable pair of 1985 jordan ones in neutral gray a size um 8.5 in us and the price at the moment um, I guess or or near offers is around eighteen thousand and five hundred dollars for this brand new in the box nineteen eighty five Jordan One in neutral grey. It looks absolutely incredible from the box to the absolute to the shoe itself. It's in absolute pristine brand new condition. Absolutely incredible. And the reason why I wanted to feature this and talk about this is this. I wonder when or why or how long it will take for nike to finally decide to invest some money in r d or whatever it may be to do some shoes and make them to spec like this i know they're already doing the reimagined stuff but that isn't really to spec as per as it should be in my personal opinion um obviously they i feel like the reimagined shoes are more so um high quality jordans in terms of levers as opposed to actually trying to make the shoe um you know exact specifications of how it released in 1985 they're not really doing to that detail they're not going as crazy as they could on a box as crazy as they can on a card as crazy as they can on the aging as crazy as they can on the shape on what materials they're not doing that they're just improving the materials which is fine i think i've spoken about that before i think i've said in general because the sneaker industry is a fucking multi-billion dollar industry now at the moment and you're still peddling the same fucking retros if you're going to be selling retros and not investing in actually creating new classics why not 
try to release limited edition shoes in high quality levers. Don't give us limited edition shoes in GR or LE materials. Give it to us in high, high, high level tier zero type materials. And then if you want to charge a premium, charge a premium, but don't give us Union Jordans and basic levers. That's not fair. Personally, I don't think that's fair, especially if you're going to just keep re-releasing retros or even just regular retros of Jordan 11s and shit, make it high level quality materials. But then if you then start making these ones, reimagined pairs in the spec, in the original spec when they originally dropped in the fucking 80s and whatever it may be, make them exactly to specification and even charge more if you want to, like Hender Scheme level pricing, like $500, $1,000, whatever. Do that, please. And people will buy them. People will happily buy them, but releasing these Jordans and having it be reimagined and just teabag standing the midsole isn't enough. There needs to be more to it, and I hope Nike does do that going forward. I hope there is a option or there is something that they do to kind of progress things forward with retros and really move the needle by re-releasing old colorways or stuff that never came out back in the day, catalog stuff that you've seen before in the original specification, um, and then putting it out there because that will really make a difference for sneakerheads instead of just releasing the same shit in the same colorways with just fucking worse materials than when they originally came out because the shape of these original 1985 Jordan 1s is incredible compared to the ones you see nowadays. Even the one just here in the box, you see how flat the midsole is something i speak about ad nauseum on this podcast about how most retros have that weird banana toe kind of lift at the front you have this really nice midsole that's kind of completely flat to the floor in terms of its profile in terms of the you know the kind of shape that it has the shape of the toe box is really impressive also it's not as pointy and as flat as the retros that we have nowadays that usually cause a bit of a headache when it comes to sizing there's a bit more of a squared round off shape on the front of the toe box here the laces look good like everything about it is still the shape of it it just looks beautiful so i would love for them to really do some reverse engineering and kind of retooling whatever it may be to build the shoe from scratch and actually put these out as retros um and actually put these out at even a higher price point if you want to make the money people will queue out for these cute sneakerheads especially the american ones who love fucking jordans would happily buy a jordan one that's made to the exact specifications of when it originally came out in 85 as opposed to just making a shoe with a fucking stained box and a crinkled label and stained midsoles but not actually investing in what it actually looks like that that's shit i don't really like that i want them to actually invest some time and money in making these shoes actually um what they look like in the past because that old shape is undefeated it really is undefeated absolutely incredible looking shoe want to see more of it when they eventually do come out hopefully we see them and we see an improvement on the reimagined pen it's not just like i said before the same old um retros with just shitter materials because that's unfair especially for the sneakers they're going to be queuing up and buying all these things it really really is unfair anyways that has been the Agassino Zinger Show episode number 713. Thank you so much for tuning in and being my in my company. That's been really great and amazing. I really do welcome it. If it's your first time checking out the show, please make sure you like the stream down below. If you want to share it with your friends, please also make sure you do that down below. And of course, the links to the tune of the day, which is playing under my voice, the links to my social medias and stuff is in the description. The links to my Patreon, where you can find bonus episodes of the show, is available also on my fucking description. Click on it, engage, do the things that you need to do and i'll see all you guys again very very soon take care be safe peace hey sad that i know all the tea broken pinky promises you fucked up our bahamas trip i know that you're not for me hey
I'm tired of your apologies You put the no women over me Know that you're not for me Hey, I'm sliding down Black Creek My friends say they want me, but But I don't have the energy Tired of your apologies Broken pinky promises You fought to my Bahamas trip I know that you're not for me You're living in my mind for free And for someone you don't miss I should feel like somebody you need Nowhere to be It's cause you should have been with me The list of things we could have been yeah. Guess I see you in my dreams I fucked up over T3 Promise I won't cause a scene I got too much respect for me